Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hello, this is Andrea Schwartz once again with the Homeschool Help from the Calcedon Foundation, where each week I hope to give viewers an opportunity to ask questions that are relevant to their situation, but also to share as a veteran seasoned homeschooler some of the insights and lessons I've learned over the years. And I have with me who I've had for um the past couple of weeks, um, Nancy Wilk. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. Okay. And today we're going to tackle um, a subject which I think is vital, and that is avoiding some of the pitfalls in homeschooling. So um, you want to get started, Nancy, in terms of some of the issues that either come your way with the people you mentor or things that you remember from your own days of being a homeschooler? I, I do. This is this is a huge subject because it is the idea of homeschooling comes with such expectations and fears and how do you manage that? What are the big pitfalls? So what I want to ask is just to sort of put this in context. Suppose that we have um, recognize the fact that God um, has called us to homeschool. It's a biblical mandate to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we decide, okay, so I will take responsibility for the education of my children. I'll, I'll do that. I understand the need to do that. So then we make the sacrifice to do that and, you know, figure it all out uh, in a very practical sense. But then we expect things to go well, which is which is we should expect things to go well. We're obeying God. Right. So things should go well with us. Um, but what happens when it doesn't seem like it's going very well? You know, we tend to look at things like, um, you know, things going up and down. It's good. It's bad. It's hard. It's easy. Um, kind of like the stock market goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's great. That roller coaster ride is great um, when you pay $10 for it and it lasts for five minutes. What if you have, um, you know, put in all this work over all these years and things don't turn out like the thought that they would? Okay. You know, you've probably, for those who are already homeschooling, you've probably said something that they can say, been there, done that. I know exactly what she's talking about. So the first thing we have to understand about anything is, is that life is never going to be problem free. If we think that life will ever have a time, whether it's in our family, uh, for those who go out into the workplace, in any kind of educational setting, especially the homeschool setting, if you expect problem free, then you haven't read the Bible because the Bible never promises problem free. Jesus said, you need to walk the straight and narrow path. That's what leads to life. And so aside from the fact that that straight and narrow path might have 
um, landmines along the way coming from all sorts of things, when we deviate from the path, we are definitely going to run into problems. So the first thing is to have a good understanding of what it is that God requires of us. Now, you might say, well, that's a huge question. Well, yeah, except the Bible says, fear God and keep his commandments. That's what you're supposed to do. So the first and foremost thing that homeschooling parents need to do is to know God's word sufficiently well or to be learning it in their role as parents and teachers so that they don't deviate off that straight and narrow road. Now you might say, wait a minute, well, that sounds easy. You know, just don't do bad things. Well, the straight and narrow road sometimes has things that go off from it that aren't bad in and of themselves, but aren't necessarily useful for your plan, which means have a plan. How many homeschooling parents have a plan? What is this going to look like in a year? How will we measure if we're doing it well? How do we say we need to change something up? So you need to know God's plan. You need to create a plan that will fit into God's plan. And then you have to have some way of measuring it. You won't even know what the pitfalls are if those other two components aren't in place. Okay. Okay. So let's talk some more about that because um, very often the perception is homeschool is just, you know, to fix everything. And we just bring those textbooks home and, and work them at the kitchen table. You're talking about it has to go into a larger context and recognize God's purposes for these things. Right. Education is preparing people for life. And the opportunities when children are young is that they don't really have the ability to do much else besides contribute into the family, which is an important thing to do. But this is the time where they're learning. And so that's what they have to be about. But if you don't have a plan that says, how am I going to make this so that they're excited about learning so that it isn't drudgery and that they see the point. You talk to a lot of children who go to school by the time they hit fourth or fifth grade, a lot of the blushes off the rose. They think, Oh gosh, I'm going to be here for years. What's my way out of this? Well, the homeschooling situation gives you the leeway to create an educational environment that doesn't have to be drudgery. So one of the first pitfalls to avoid, don't take the classroom into your house. You do not have to have the bell that goes off at a certain time. You do not have to spend 50 to 70 minutes on a particular subject. You don't have to do every subject every single day. If you start becoming tyrannized by a schedule, one that possibly is artificial because you're trying to make outside school look like your inside school and vice versa. I mean, I know some parents and don't laugh for those of you who have never experienced this, but I know some people that would make their children put on a uniform, pack their lunch, either go into the basement or go into an outside shed or something like that. And they would sit and do school and they would have to sit at desks and they would have to raise their hand, you know, I believe in liberty that people should be able to do what they want, but there's so much more that could be done. Now, granted, when you don't do it that way, it can look a little disorderly at times. There can be things that don't go as smoothly as you want. 
So yes, there's the individual preferences that families will have, but if you are only doing this because you think you have to do it that way, that could be a pitfall. Right. Um, one of the things I, I liken uh, so much learning to um, cleaning out a closet because sometimes there's things we have to unlearn, right? Because we all, especially those of us that were um, brought up in a traditional um, day school or public school, um, we think that's what education looks like. And so for a lot of folks, it's going to be like cleaning out a closet and it, and if you've ever cleaned out a closet, you know that it uh, very often looks worse before it gets better. There's some things that you have to throw away. There's some things that you keep. There's some things that you just you just begin to reevaluate the things that you've got stuck in there. Okay. So I think that's something that we can uh, say to expect that might be a pitfall. If you find these things tumbling out that you didn't even know were stuffed in your educational closet. Right. And I've seen things go two ways. I've seen new homeschoolers decide that they want to make sure that their children have all these great opportunities because let's say they've pulled their children from a regular day school setting. So they sign up for everything. They sign up for the homeschool sports league. They sign up for the homeschool choir or the homeschool orchestra or the spelling bee or the geography bee. They get involved in co-ops. They get involved in plays. There, there's all sorts of things they get involved with. And the kids are exhausted. Mom is certainly exhausted because they're so busy that sometimes she wonders, well, when do I fit the academics into this? Because, you know, we're doing all these great homeschool things. The opposite side of that coin is to only focus on academics, do nothing else besides academics, because you see, we have to get through it. We have to get through the curriculum. We have to get through fourth grade so we can go to fifth grade. And so once again, you have people who are being governed by not a plan that says what will work for our family and what will really achieve what we consider an important result. You're either too busy, not busy enough, and never having this piece that says we're pleasing God right now because we're being obedient to our call in life as parents and then teachers. Okay. So um, I have... Um we have a family that has asked us to help them evaluate a particular um, program. So how would you, how would you instruct them to do that? Well, you have an advantage over me because I don't know this family. And so a lot of questions have to be asked. Why are they homeschooling? All right. Now there are a multitude of reasons why someone could homeschool. Right. They could have had a bad experience in a public school setting or even a private school setting. And they could be in a situation where uh, they just have to do something because their child isn't thriving. Another reason could be that they have seen the results of other families and they want what they see in other families. All that's fine. But the last thing homeschooling is conducive to is trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, I'm not sure how many people know what that expression means, but it used to mean the Jones family lives next door. They have a new car. We should get a new car. They have three children. Wow, we only have two. We should have a third child. In other words, 
that the Joneses are determining what should be your life. Well, I'm sorry. The only person who has that role is God. And he's given us his word to tell us what it should be. That's why for this family, examine the reasons they decided to homeschool. It might have been a second choice. You know, for some people, the school that their children were going to um, closed. And so now they have a choice, send the kid to public school or homeschool. So they're homeschooling, not because they woke up one day and said, I really want to do this. This sounds so exciting. Circumstance threw them into that. So you first have to figure out why is the person homeschooling and what the capabilities are of the homeschool teacher. Oftentimes people will say, well, I had a bad education, so I don't think I'm qualified to teach. Okay, that might be true. If that's an honest assessment, then the recommendation would be a much more uh, curriculum-driven, teacher's manual-driven type of exercise. And there are publishers that will have those sorts of things. And if you go to any sort of homeschool convention or you just put in homeschool on the Internet, you'll find those publishers. And because you start with that publisher doesn't mean you end with that publisher. You could start and do that for a year, decide the parts you like, the parts you didn't like, and then maybe switch to something else. Or as I did, I was your eclectic homeschooler. I might like the science from this publisher. I might like the language arts from this. Um, I almost never uh, got a Bible curriculum because I felt like between all the books and commentaries I had and my knowledge and as I was learning that we could do Bible together and I didn't need a curriculum for that. So it's the process by which we try to help people succeed without thinking that whatever they decide they're going to do now is what they have to do forever. Right. So how about the um, extracurricular activities? How would you evaluate those? Well, um, it depends. If you're a family with one car and dad has to use that car to go to work, um, you'll need to plan your activities according to when you've got transportation or if there's someone who can help get you to where you have to go. All right. Also, what are the inclinations of the parents? Um, I know homeschooling families that mom and dad were musicians, excellent musicians. Not a big surprise that their children all turned out to be excellent musicians because this is something the parents knew very well. Um, I wanted my children to get music instruction and they did, but not being a musician myself, I was in a situation where I had to find the teachers and find the situations that would be best. So that's part of that plan. What is it you want? Maybe you can't do everything every year. You know, I've had people call up and say, I really want my son in choir, but he wants to play baseball and we can't do both. And I said, please put your son in baseball. First of all, I don't want him in the choir if he don't want to be there. He's going to be a problem. Secondly, if what he wants to do is play baseball, let him play baseball. You know, right. And if you want him to learn how to sing, we'll find another way to do that. Yeah. But we're not supposed to be living vicariously through our children. We're supposed to be helping that child to develop that child's gifts in service to God and, um, and to recognize God's call on their life. Um, I recently heard a statement, um, and this is, this is another pitfall, I think, of um, homeschooling. We, rec we don't recognize the difference or think that um, think 
that there's a difference between being saved and being called. So, um, you know, that, that's something that, that we need to, um, you know, sort of grapple with that. Um, would you like to talk about that too is in terms of, well, I mean, now, now we're deep in theology, which is a good place to be for any homeschool mother. That's one of the reasons why I encourage women to, to study biblical law and why I spend a good bit of my time um, teaching biblical law classes or mentoring people on biblical law one-on-one. -on -one. And now I will do a shameless plug. If you go to the calcedonteachertraining.com or ctti.org, you'll see the program that's laid out to help women do it. One, one of the things that's so true is that for a homeschool parent, it's on-the-job training. You can't say, I'll take five years to learn how to do this, and then I'll start. Because if your child is five, then that child will be 10. And for that five years, you had to do something with that child, right? So the good part about it is the same lessons we need to learn to be faithful to God as individuals in our parenting is the same thing that we need to learn in terms of how to be good home educators. The difference between being saved and being called you could really say is a matter of semantics, but it's really more than that. When we talk about being saved, we talk about being saved from sin. And certainly anybody and anybody who is been has been redeemed by Christ appreciates the fact that we are no longer slaves to sin. Mm -hmm. However, the calling has to do with, okay, now that you're saved, you're expected to do something. Being saved isn't sitting around and saying, okay, I went ahead, I paid my premium on my life insurance policy or my health insurance or my homeowner's insurance, and now something goes wrong, I pay my deductible, but somebody comes in and fixes it all for me at no charge to me. That's not what the Christian life is. And so as you are dealing with your children, what's really important is to let them have a sense of calling. God calls them right now to be students. He also called them to be sons or daughters. So there are certain duties and responsibilities that are attendant with that. And anytime you find yourself shoving somebody into this situation, it's time to step back and make sure that everybody's on the right footing. You don't want to start only to fall. So even homeschooling, we need to consider that as a call. And not just a um, a box that we check off called education. Well, let me say this. If you do it for any other reason other than a calling, one, you might be crazy. And two, you won't stick with it. Because um, once you really get into the roles God calls us to, I mean, if you watch television, being a wife is wonderful. You went ahead, you go ahead and you have the wedding. Everybody shows up. You look beautiful. He looks happy, you know, and then let's go a year or two and realize that life is what you all live together. And in that situation, you have to learn how to maneuver through it. So like I said at the beginning, problems are always going to be with us. Jesus said each day has enough troubles of its own. So instead of saying, oh, we have troubles with our children or, oh, we have troubles with something, expect it. He told us to expect it. That's what he said. Yeah. And, and, and that gives us great opportunity to to put those uh, to put our thoughts and our words and our actions into to um, biblical terms 
and not just say, oh, it's a problem. The sky's falling. It's horrible. It's horrible. Send them back to school. Throw them back. Give them back. Right. Oh, it, yeah. It gives evidence of the things that God wants us to deal with and is, doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong. Right. We're living in a, in a fallen world. We happen to be redeemed, which means we have responsibilities. I remember when my son was the only one I was homeschooling and he would give me a hard time. Surprise, surprise. The child gives you a hard time. Right. And I'd say, OK, if you keep this up, I'm going to send you to outside school. I'm going to send you to outside school. And of course, the way I made it sound, it was so ominous. And it was like, oh, mom, no, you know, well, that was going to last only so long. But then I realized what a sinful thing I was doing. That would be like saying, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to leave you by the side of the road. I'm going to I'm just going to abandon you because in a lot of ways, that's what I would have been doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had to get my act together and I had to say, OK, so I get it. This is difficult. I need some help. And that's where you get some help. That's where you find your mentors. I was blessed to have people I could call. And people who wouldn't always say, oh, poor you. When you're looking for people to help you, you don't want the, oh, poor you help. You want somebody who's going to say, um, no, this is what you need to do. You're, you're not being faithful to your calling. All right. Any other things you want to bring up? Because I have a couple of other things. I made some notes here. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'll keep going. Determining the outcome. Lest you think that at the end of your child's academic career, if your child becomes a doctor, your child becomes a bum, your child becomes whatever, right? You are not responsible for the outcome. You are responsible to be faithful. So in being faithful, you need to um, you need to examine why you're doing what you're doing, knowing God's word sufficiently well so that you don't put the likes and dislikes of your children, that you don't love them more than you love God. And as you do that, they will know that you're not homeschooling them because they're going to be your trophy. Because either way you go, they're not your trophy. If it turns out that they disavow the faith, if you put into them what you were supposed to put into them, you rest on the promise that if you train up a child, you know, maybe it'll take a couple of years before it all comes back to him. But you're responsible to be faithful. You're not responsible to say, this is my result. I produce this outcome. Right. We can't produce um, the desired positive outcome any more than we will necessarily produce the required negative outcome. We just have to be faithful to the task that uh, to God's call in our life and the tasks that he gives us in the days that he gives us, the kids that we give up. He gives us the economics, the look, all those things. We just have to take those things in terms of the day God's given us. Right. You know, sometimes my children would say, well, you know, I didn't pick you as parents. And I said, well, I didn't pick you as a kid either. <laughs> God picked us right. both. So that, that there. Do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The other thing I want to add is we need to separate us, 
ourselves from our position. My name is Andrea, mm -hmm. but my position is parent. And right. so there are times when my children, and I'd say it's probably still the case, would get me irritated enough or upset enough that say, you know, I just don't care. That was Andrea talking. And Andrea, you know, needed to repent of that because we're supposed to care. But as a parent, I have a duty and responsibility. So, and this is something that another pitfall, and I certainly went through this. When you have a child who's saying, I don't want to do this and is being defiant and you say, okay, now it's time to do this. And the child doesn't want to do that. Instead of dealing with the defiance, I was going along because we have to get through this part of the thing. Until one day, it's like the Holy Spirit knocked me on the head and said, what are you doing? You're just going to produce a well-educated heathen or pagan. Is that what you want? You know, and I don't know if I've shared this before on these broadcasts, but I certainly have shared it in my books. That's when I had the bright idea that I was going to suspend my son from school. He thought I was nuts. Oh, you're going to suspend me from school. Oh, okay. This is good. It's like, I knew she was loony, but I didn't realize how loony she actually was. And I said, oh, but by the way, this doesn't mean you can go play, clean the bathroom, clean the oven, clean the garage. If you're not going to learn how to use your mind to be a productive adult, well, then I have to teach you how to use your brawn. And it lasted for about two days when he was begging to come back to school. But the lesson was learning is a privilege. It's not a right. Mm -hmm. And it's a privilege for the parent to be able to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it's a privilege for children to have that good start in life. And so let's not take any of this for granted. And instead of saying, this is too hard, you know, I give up. You say, this is too hard, but it's not my strength. It's Christ who strengthens me. So in doing that, though, we, um, we still have to recognize that work is a, a good thing for us to be teaching our children. So I don't necessarily think that it's something that is Contrary to school, it's part of the educational process of learning to work and take dominion and be responsible and all that kind of things. It just didn't happen from a textbook. And it wasn't about the academics or history or math or reading, but it was still educating him in terms of responsibility. So he just got a different lesson. He didn't really get expelled from school. He just got a different lesson. Right. Right. And we have to ask the question here, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Now, anybody who's confused by that question doesn't understand Genesis. Obviously, the chicken came first. OK, well, what came first, the family or the school? What came first is the family. So instead of making education and preparation for life, the school model that we have to aspire to, the problem is with institutionalized education is they've pulled children out of their families. They've pulled children away from familial responsibilities in many cases and told them that the only thing that's important is what happens after they graduate. Well, if you educate a child, part of that education is reading, writing, computing, but it's also 
taking care of yourself, being able to feed yourself, being able to keep yourself clean and your clothes clean, being able to help someone when they're sick, being able to help yourself when you're sick, knowing the difference between things, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. So let's not make education just this little narrow thing as opposed to preparation for service to the kingdom of God. Right. Right. And that includes being able to clean the bathroom and um, steward well the resources that to your care. When my kids used to um, bemoan having to carry help carrying it, carrying groceries from from the car, I'd say, you're going to get to eat these groceries, aren't you? And so that was part of their work um, to help bring it in. And the sad part is when children are very little, they want to help. They do. Now, sometimes it can be difficult because they want to put the groceries away. And if they spill the gallon of milk, now you got milk all over the floor. But part of training is taking somebody's willingness and enthusiasm and catching it at that point and equipping them so that they have a sense of participation and accomplishment. If you wait till somebody's 14 years old to suggest that he or she does his or her laundry, um, you're going to have a fight on your hand because mom, the maid has been taking care of it. Right. Right. We've done a lot of business things and, um, you know, one of those, you know, common phrases is that you, you can't be a business owner. You can't be a millionaire if you can't make your bed or brush <laughs> your teeth or, you know, some of these things. So, so, but that is a biblical um, model of learning to be faithful with the small things so that we can grow to have increasing responsibility. Right. Right. All righty. Well, I think uh, we've covered the topic a little bit. Um, I've just put up uh, three books we recommend um, every week. Two are mine in terms of homeschooling perspectives, uh, the lessons learned from years of homeschooling and the homeschool life. And then in the middle, probably the most important of all three. And that's a philosophy of the Christian curriculum that is helpful in that plan I talked about, how not to make homeschool outside school in your pajamas. I mean, you can do it in your pajamas, but that's not what the uh, the, the goal is that you do school in your pajamas, that you do it in such a way that it furthers the family, enhances the family, and then ultimately serves the kingdom of God. Very good. Okay. So Nancy, I'll see you next week. We have some good things brewing in terms of things that you're going to share with what's going on there. And so I look forward to that as well. All right, everyone. So um, until next time, let me again suggest that you visit calcedon.edu. There are lots of other homeschooling resources and Christian education resources, along with a number of videos that I did over the years that uh, will go into some of the things we talk about. So some people are readers, some people are listeners, and some people are viewers. Uh, the Calcedon Foundation has made it possible for all those ways of getting information possible. So uh, until next time. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. 
holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.